If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are here with me today. As always, we've got a great guest in studio today. But first, of course, before I introduce him, let's do our quotes of the day from the universe and from Abraham. Let's see what they have in store for us today. First, from the universe. There's no such thing as a lost soul. I know where they are, and everyone makes it home. Thanks for caring, the universe. Ah, we love our quotes from Mike Dooley in the universe. I love it. It's like such a sense of humor. Um, Yes, a soul is never lost because the universe always knows where all the little souls are. Hiding around, playing playing hide-and-go-seek probably half the time. Um, not too much to say about that one. <laughs> it's very rare. I don't have too much to say about a quote, but I think I'm just going to move on to the Abraham quote. That I'll have more to say about. Every time you say, I appreciate that. I really like that. I applaud that. I acknowledge the value in that. Every time you do that, you spend some of your energy. And it is the spending of the energy that creates a vacuum so to speak, or an attraction, so to speak, that draws more and more and more and more. Abraham. Okay, so i thinking, i kind of feeling that Abraham is trying to kind of explain a little bit of the mechanisms of the law of attraction in this. And what Abraham is saying is that as we focus upon something, and it's an, it's an object of our attention. And we look at it and we're like, mm, I really like that. Oh, that's like awesome. That's wonderful. Yes, I want more of this in my life. I want more of that in my life. That as we kind of emotionally get into the moment, we're expending our energy. And that exp- expending of the energy is creating sort of a bit of an energetic vacuum. And so what happens when there's a vacuum? Well, nature rushes to fill it. And it's in creating that energetic vacuum that nature rushes to fill it. And what does it rush to fill that vacuum with? The very thing that we're desiring. The very thing that we have these amazing feeling thoughts about. Again, this, if I know Abraham, this probably works in all directions, which means if you're saying, I hate that, oh my God, this is awful, I can't stand that, that's also an expenditure of energy. That's also creating a vacuum. 
And that vacuum also allows nature to rush in and fill it with more of the very thing that we're talking about, complaining about, gossiping about that we don't want. And so this is why energy management is so important. Where are we focusing our energy? How are we reacting to things? The more we expend our energy on things that are appealing, that we love, that bring us joy and happiness, the more room we kind of make for more things that bring us joy and happiness. And the more we expend it on things that don't, that give us uh, difficulty, that, that, that cause, uh, um, cause us to have some heartache, the more we expend the energy uh, in that direction and that allows more stuff to come in. So basically what Abraham is saying here is don't put your energy out for the stuff that you don't want in your life. Let's keep it on the things that we do want, that we want more of, that we want to, you know, create bigger, better, brighter, more beautiful stuff uh, in our lives. So that's a kind of an interesting quote today to, to, to kind of odd quotes. I don't know. I guess this is a day of odd quotes. Usually quotes often make sense to me. These don't make, I mean, they make sense to me, but they also kind of confusing in a way. I don't know. Um, so I hope you like our quotes of the day and next week we'll have more quotes of the day for you. And before I introduce my guest, just a quick shout out to the people on the Facebook live stream, Alex, William, Frank, Jane, Louise, Joni. Thank you all for joining us. Love you all. Thank you. All right. So let's get to it. It is my pleasure now to welcome Jeff Cox. Uh, Jeff, while in, in college, was guided to the teachings of Paul Brunton. In the early 70s, he moved to the area around Ithaca, New York, where he and many other students studied with Anthony uh, Damiani. Damiani, great. Damiani, thank you. Who, who was a close student of Burton's, uh, uh, Brunton's. Guided by Anthony's inspiration, Jeff helped to build Wisdom's Golden Rod, a center for spiritual study, and lived there for five years as a resident monk. Later, in quotes, yes, a monk. Because uh, we know real monks. Like, yeah. We got a picture up there of a real monk. Because yes. the founder of the radio station, Talking Alternative, became a Theravadan monk. Oh. Like a real heavy-duty monk. Mm. Uh, later, as a devotee of His Holiness the Dalai Lama, Jeff was instrumental in establishing Snow Lion Publications as the major publisher of Tibetan Buddhism. After nearly 30 years, wow, he retired as president and co-owner in 2012. Oh, awesome. Since then, he became a board member of the Paul Brunton Philosophic Foundation, which is the principal guardian of Brunton's literary legacy. His publishing background has been put to use in editing and publication of Brunton's unpublished writing. The latest effort is the recently released Instructions for Spiritual Living. Oops, which I hold up now for you to see. A very, very cool book. Thank you. Um, very interesting. Uh, Ithaca, New York. So is that the part of the Burnt Over District? Do you remember in Greek mythology about Ulysses, his journeys and mm -hmm. the 12 trials? Well, that was his, all those trials were all life's experiences that uh, eventually brought him back to Ithaca. Ithaca, yeah. Right. <laughs> and so Ithaca supposedly represents like the mind of, the go of God the divine mind or divine oh, intelligence. Okay. So we, we reunite 
eventually, if you move to Ithaca, mm -hmm. eventually, I promise, you'll reunite with the divine mind. Huh, so it, it, it's, a, it's a kind of a symbol for what PB might call sagehood. Oh. Or we would say Buddha, Buddha right, or enlightened right. being or whatever. But he means it in a, in a very particular way. A particular way, yeah. Because I just know in upstate New York, I'm, I'm not sure, if, but then like the upstate western New York is what they call the burnt over district, which a lot of... You mean like Buffalo burnt over like... Yeah, no, but it, it burnt over district, it's where Lilydale is. I don't know if you heard of Lilydale. I, I haven't actually. Um, but also uh, John Smith, uh, yes. who founded Mormonism, Mormon. yes. he, his vision was up in that same area. Yes, Elmira is a town near uh, Elmira, south of yes. Ithaca. And right. Ithaca's in the Finger Lakes of New York. There's, you know, uh, God, right, God right, put right. his hands or she on the <laughs> earth. And there are these 10 or 11, however many lakes. And maybe there were six fingers on one hand. I don't uh, know. But there's these beautiful lakes. Yes. And it's wine country. And there yeah. are many rolling hills and waterfalls. In our yeah. county alone, where Ithaca is, there's like 100 waterfalls. Wow. Yeah, wow. There's some spectacular ones. I haven't ones. been up there, I think, since I was like looking at colleges. Yeah, Cornell University, University and yeah. Ithaca College are there. And, yeah. you know, it's a town that has a 30,000 population of residents. And then you have 30,000 students come right. in. <laughs> so it's quite a cultural center. They say, if you can't find it in Ithaca, you'll find it in New York City. City. <laughs> like that. Cool. I gotta, I gotta again, take my wife up there and go one weekend and just yes. get her out of the yeah. city. I would love to, yeah. love to see all that stuff. So, Summer's the best. Um, uh, now, Paul Brunton, he's, he's, he may be a spiritual teacher, but he's not necessarily one of the more well-known spiritual teachers, is he? I think what happened was, um, in the 60s, when there was mm. a big influx of first Indian teachers, and then right. shortly in the wake of that, there was the Buddhist teachers from various places, but especially the Tibetan Buddhists, which is right. how I got connected with Snow Lion and Tibetan mm -hmm. Buddhism. That all happened then, the 60s and so on, uh, and, and Maharishi Mahesh Yogi came, yes. and you know it became much more popularized at yeah. that time. But... Paul Brunton wrote his books in the 1930s and 40s and oh. early 50s. Oh, okay. He wrote us like 10 or 11 books. Mm -hmm. They were a graded series of kind of like introducing one to the idea of a mystical path. Mm -hmm. And then he, he develops the themes and gives meditations. And uh, in the last books, he goes more into uh, spiritual philosophy and the hidden teaching beyond uh. yoga. And okay. the wisdom of the overself are the two. It's a pair of books that we recently republished with North Atlantic books. That, well, they they cover they are uh, they represent a recreation in Western terms, including scientific concepts for English-speaking people of the doctrines of Vedanta and uh, Mahayana Buddhism uh, okay. that he was entrusted by people he met in Asia oh. to, he was instructed and entrusted to bring these teachings. He was given a lot of teachings. He would brought these teachings back to Britain where he grew up oh, and published okay. there with the company that's now the equivalent of Penguin Random House in, oh, okay. in in the UK. And they were simultaneously published here. But what I want to say about him, and just to answer your question about not very well known, 
in that time period, 30s, 40s, and 50s, he was like the go-to person for uh, Eastern spirituality. His okay. books were reviewed all over the world, and even in kind of places like Alabama, you know, wow. where it's now strong Bible Belt areas, and they right. were even then, but people were curious about, yeah. we hear about Indian culture or whatever, what, what's really with these people that meditate? They seem backwards in terms of their economy, but in terms of their spirituality, they were quite advanced. Right. And I think the same right. was true in Tibet. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So he was like your Bill Nye, the science guy of <laughs> of, of you know Eastern religion. Yeah, when they gotcha. had something going on, they needed an authority. He would be there. Mm. He was uh, he lived he lived with people in uh, you know like royalty in Spain and Greece and like the Maharaja of Mysore in India. He was a guest of all these people. Oh wow. But he also just hung out with everyday people and he traveled mm. all over. He was basically a uh, a spiritual researcher. Even at the end, he said, I'm basically a researcher, even though he, he had great mystical experiences that even as a teenager, starting as a teenager. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So, so uh, in uh, 30s, 40s, and 50s, uh, when did he pass? In 1981. Oh, in 81. He was so. born in 1898 in the Cultural Center of London, oh, Bloomsbury, wow. something like that. Mm -hmm. There was a lot going on there, and one of the people he was close with founded a bookstore called the Atlantis Bookshop, which is still alive oh, 100 years later. Yeah. It's still there in, the, in right that part of London. So he was involved with a lot of the occultism, the theosophy, ah. the spiritualism, and so on. And he had a friend who was a Buddhist monk, one of the early Theravada monks, came and said, you really ought to go to India. And so he went ah. there, and that's where he met uh, Ramana Maharshi. Ah. And he, Paul Brunton was the one who wrote this best-selling book called A Search in Secret India. Mm. And that book sold in 20 languages. It sold over a million copies ah. and made Ramana famous. Uh, people started travel. A lot of Westerners started okay. traveling to India to sit at the feet of Ramana Maharshi. Oh, interesting. Okay, we got to take a quick break. A uh, quick question: Have you been to India? Once. Once. Okay. All right. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll continue to learn more about instructions for spiritual living right here on the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, The Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Who do you want to connect with? Are you an entrepreneur or intrapreneur looking to build your following? Welcome to our show. Follow, Follow Me Friday, Friday with Joan and Priya. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern on talkradio.nyc. We're, We're your digital, digital connectors. connectors. Woo woo! <laughs> <laughs> Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. 
Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're speaking this hour with Jeff Cox, editor of Instructions for Spiritual Living. Fascinating book about uh, a figure I actually knew nothing about, Paul Brunton. Um, I'm curious, in your bio it says you were guided to his teachings when you were in college. How did you initially hear about him? Okay, well, it's one of those kind of... Small woo-woo stories, you know. Ah, I love those woo-woo stories. I, I I took a semester off from college. Uh-huh. I was studying geology, uh-huh. and I went to France. Mm-hmm. I went to visit some friends that lived near Zurich, and I they one day took me to a neighboring farmhouse that was haunted. Not because it was haunted, <laughs> but because they knew somebody that lived there. Okay. It was interesting. And because I was told it was haunted, I started asking a lot of questions. Uh, and they said, you should read this book. And they gave me There is a River by Edgar Cayce. Oh, yes. So yes. maybe your, your listeners know something about Edgar Cayce. But anyway, he's the sleeping prophet, right? Yes, he didn't yes. know what he was saying, but everybody, a lot of his things got written down. There's a foundation yes. in Virginia mm-hmm. Beach. The A.R.E. The A.R.E. So I was reading this book, and it... It was like the lightning bolt in my psyche. I mean, I had been a religious person growing up, but always felt that something was lacking in my Christian tradition. And here was somebody writing saying that God was knowable or God, you know, there could be some kind of mystical experience or connection with the divine. And I thought, great, I don't have to wait till I'm dead. (laughs) So and he also said yoga and meditation would be helpful. So Uh after my trip, I go back to Columbus, Ohio, where I grew up. I was Ohio State University boy. Go Buckeyes. Still, (laughs) I look at the scores, you know. Um, And I sought out a yoga teacher. And that person uh, said, I started asking a lot of questions. I was coming with a lot of, something was coming to birth. I really wanted to understand more about life. And she said, you should read Paul Brunton. And as it was, the church I was going to had been visited by Paul Brunton in the 1950s. Oh. And he had started a meditation group there. Oh, wow. And this yoga teacher was part of that, although she was a later generation, hadn't met him directly. Right. But so I got part of that group and they invited, they wrote to Paul Brunton, we call him PB, that's mm-hmm. what he liked to be called. They wrote to PB and said, mm-hmm. please come visit us. We have a lot of questions. We'd like to be with you for a little bit. And he mm-hmm. says, well, I'm not coming. He was living in semi-seclusion then. This was in the late 60s and he had moved to Switzerland he was still seeing people but not lecturing not traveling that much and he said I can't come but I will send my student Anthony Damiani who was living in Uh, Ithaca at the time he uh he grew up in New York City and worked here in the city he had a bookstore in Ithaca called the American Brahmin Bookstore so oh. it was like, you know, not the Indian Brahmins, but right. the American Brahmins. <laughs> so the, the people that are interested in truth seeking, basically. Mm-hmm. And he came and he spent a few weekends with us in Ithaca. And I was so impressed with him that eventually when I graduated, I decided not to pursue my career. Um, and I moved to Ithaca to just get a job, see what I could do. Uh, studied at the cent- at this bookstore uh-huh. like four or five nights a week with meditation, and eventually, like a year after I moved there, we built Wisdom's Goldenrod. It was there's four buildings. Uh-huh. It's on some of Anthony's land, okay. and there's um, you know meditation center classes are held there. Uh-huh. There's a library. 
there's um, two residential structures, and most of the buildings are made out of logs, and they have kind of Asian mandala designs or these curved oh, roof, roofs like you see with nice. Asian buildings. Uh -huh. So it was like the East and the West coming together, the pioneers of the West with the log gotcha. cabins and then these architectural uh, touches that nice. reflect the East. So I lived there for five years. He, our, Anthony lived till 1984. Paul Brunton died in 1981. So mm. I was kind of a spiritual orphan, I guess, in yeah. 1984. <laughs> but, but we had met the Dalai Lama. Uh, the Dalai Lama actually came to Ithaca, New York. Uh, my business partner at the time was close with the Dalai Lama, invited him to America. He came to Ithaca. He actually stayed in my house for a few days. I had one of the newer houses in the mm -hmm. group, and mm -hmm. we needed a place for him and his entourage, so he stayed there and greatly impacted us. This was in 1979. Oh, wow. So in 1984, I was asked to join Snow Lion Publications and get that back off the ground. So I... Continue, you know, I was studying Paul Brunton and a lot of other doctrines. Anthony taught. I mean, I see you have a collection of Young Young's uh, yes. books, mm -hmm. the, the original writings, the hard stuff to yeah. read. Well, we studied a number of those volumes, uh, and and also various schools of Buddhism and Vedanta and other Indian schools, Sankhya Yoga and mm -hmm. different ones, because we thought it's it, the philosophic path is an inclusive path. PB right. wanted to reintroduce this idea of philosophy as the love of truth and the pursuit of truth. Yeah. So not just up here, but, you know, with the heart and with right. compassion and understanding and integrating rather than disintegrating, you know, yeah. like yes. the Shankar, you know, the, the Vedantists and the, and the Buddhists, they argue forever about the nature of self, for instance. <laughs> you know, is the self ultimate reality or is it ultimate illusion? You know, and they're still fighting for yeah. over a thousand years. But it, it hones the understanding. Mm. And, I, and I think this path that Paul Brunton is offering is not only the mystical side, but it's the path of really understanding the teachings of life. He sees life as the uh, teacher. Life as the teacher is not that is not him. He always he a good teacher, he would say, gives you back yourself, helps you develop your own yes. ability to think yes. and, and, and this, empowers you, not makes yes. you reliant on them. And develop your own intuition. Yes. Yes. So, go ahead. So, so would you consider his writings I, I mean, are they primarily Buddhist or are they more eclectic? It's a mix. The, the part mix. that comes in from Buddhism is more the, the Mahayana, seek enlightenment for the sake of all. It's okay. not, you know, it's, it's more of um, the philosophic sage should serve humanity. That mm. it, The philosophic sage becomes the voice of the divine, but in everyday life. I mean, yes, you, you might yes. be a, a you know, checkout person in a retail store or something but it's something sure. about the presence you're bringing to the to your environment whatever right. whatever right. it is that um it, it's that can express divine qualities in our life right so right, yeah. it, that's more from the buddhist side i i guess and the his mysticism is very much well the ramana teachings i'm sure you've heard this who am i the who yes. am i inquiry yeah. self-inquiry Paul Brunton picked that up, but the other side that he adds is the what am I? Ah, so the who am I okay. takes us back subjectively. I'm, I'm not 
just the body. Right. I'm not just the emotional I'm, I'm, feelings. I'm not my thoughts. Not I'm those not thoughts, right. etc. So then what am I? And you supposedly reach a state where you internally, everything remains quiet. You know, no more thought, I'm sorry, no more thought interfering, um, no more distractions about your desires and who you're still mad at or any of, you know, all of that quiets down and you're in an inward listening state. So in that area, what he called in that space internally, that the higher self, which Paul Brunton calls the over self, can reveal itself. It's always considered an act of grace that as a as an individual, we can ready ourselves for the spontaneous arrival of of self-knowledge we could say okay he he wouldn't say that the divine isn't already here with us in fact it very much is right you know he would say our very awareness that power by which we know anything is the universal over self in us is a universal Mm. consciousness Mm. i read a quote by schrodinger recently you know the physicist yeah 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 he says there's one universal mind that as that phases as all these different consciousnesses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's you know encapsulates in a way right. Paul Brunton's idea of what is a sage? It's somebody who knows the one universal mind that's our core that's sh- that's present in us as awareness and other things, and we recognize that it's phasing or it's expressing or it's revealing every moment itself as right. the conscious experiences that we're each being right. is having. Right. It, it, it's like the one universal mind is is manifesting in all these little ways to know itself. The knowing itself is what we call enlightenment. Ah. And he calls it, PB has this chapter in here called Insight. And mm-hmm. insight is his term. Well, he says it this way. Intuition is about everything else. It's about everything knowable, everything that can appear, be manifest, be known. Mm-hmm. You, you could have intuition that would tell you about something about those contents of our experience. Right. But insight is the intuition of the formless presence within us. It's the knowledge uh, of the formless. Okay. And, and it comes in initially as glimpses, and the glimpses right. maybe happen more often or they last mm-hmm. a little longer. But when, it's, when the process is finished, then there's constant awareness of the divine in us. The pe- the inner, mm. We experience it as inner peace, mm. as intelligence, as um, presence. Right. But there's, there's that and uh, not... It's not just going into trance, right? The void trance of the mystic, nervi kalpa samadhi. You've probably heard this expression, where samadhi. everything disappears and there's only the the one mind. Th- that is half. That's the who am I? That's the who am I part. Mm. The what am I is what we just talked about. Right. How that one mind, that one intelligence, expresses itself. Right. Right. Um, beautiful. I, I just want to ask you, since you mentioned, you know, one of the chapters of the book. So there's one title in here that says is the soul in the heart yes that one particularly drew me (laughs) what what is what does he mean by that the over self is a formless presence right Right. so that means you can't locate it if you could locate it you would give it it would be 
here, not there. Right. So it would have some quality over here on the right side right. that it doesn't have on the left side, right? right. Um, it's not like pure light because there's darkness. Right. So you can't just say it's it's not in the binary frame right, 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 basically right. It's, it's in a non-dual it's beyond the yin yang of life right, right right but the body is a microcosm of the macrocosm right like all the principles in the universe and i know you're familiar because you do energy work and you yes. call in the forces of all different levels of galactic and yes. beyond and all the way down to mm-hmm. you know what's present and interested in us here or ancestors or something i right. don't know yeah so um the body has a, a place and it's the heart center and the heart center is not well it, it's described as being like a couple finger widths to the right of the midline of the chest oh okay. like and it's oddly enough where people tend to point when they go i point at their ah. chest there's a sense there's a feeling in the body and mm-hmm. pb describes in his book the quest of the Overself, and oh and he probably describes it here too in this chapter that there's something about this little cave in the heart it's kind of called a cave uh, in the heart okay. where the Overself is active and felt in the body uh it's not it's not like uh, a lot of people if you concentrate on the heart center mm-hmm. you can start to feel energy there it might be pulsing it might just be strong energy it 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 kind of feels very centering if you focus on it and most many of the practices are given to focus on the heart one if i have just a second once i asked anthony about this i Uh said if the over self is everywhere why are we meditating on the heart and he (laughs) said just meditate on the heart <laughs> sort of a Zen style teacher he was. I see, I see. Okay, let's hold that thought about the heart, and and we'll come back and I have some more questions about the book and 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 PB um, with my guest Jeff Cox right here on the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we'll be right back after these messages. You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network. love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m. we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon Eastern to 1 p.m. right here on talkradio.nyc and on Facebook Live. And we're here today discussing the book, 
Instructions for Spiritual Living by Paul Brunton. And uh, we're here with Jeff Cox, uh, the editor. Um, and uh, really talking about a lot of interesting things. Um, One um, thing I'd like to mention is, sure. is that this book came out of the large literary archive that Paul Brunton left right. w when he died. He, he went through all of his papers before he oh. died. We had some of our friends from Wisdom's Goldenrod were with him up to the end. Oh, really? And he instructed a couple of them how to edit his works, and we developed a 16-volume set called oh. The Notebooks of Paul Brunton, which are you can read them online on the paulbrunton.org website. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. they're The Notebooks of Paul Brunton, and they're in 28 categories of spiritual topics, I guess, but right. everything from taking care of your body towards what's the nature of, you know, God and the wow. one mind. And wow. so, okay. so there's a, a lot there. But he, even though he stopped publishing in the 50s, he right. continued writing, writing every day. So every how day. many books did he actually write that were just books that he wrote? Eleven. Eleven books. So he has 11 books, and then he has all this other stuff that he wrote mm. that's now like being put together, like with this book, and, and I'm assuming there are other right. books and like some, that as well. Well, yes. Cornell University is, last fall accepted the physical archive into their rare books and manuscript collection. So oh. we wanted, a part of the foundation's work is to preserve this work into the future. Uh, Be, I mean, we're all, okay. I'm 71, I'll, yeah. people on our border and, you know, yeah, 70s, 80s. For 71. Oh, well, thanks. That. I sleep well. <laughs> I, I'm a vegetarian. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we have a digital archive. Everything that went to Cornell, uh, we have digitally. And we're putting this together to have on a, a separate section of our website. So the actual entire archive that was left can be studied there. Wow. So wow, he wrote amazing. a number of essays. And those is, that's what's incorporated into this book. And uh, what I did was... Is, to choose the ones I wanted, mm -hmm. to put them in some the order that they're in, mm -hmm. according to my understanding of spiritual unfoldment and practice. And I wrote the introduction for it, although it just says the Philosophic Foundation. Yeah. But uh, uh, Who yes. chose the title? One of his past lives, Paul Brunton, was Wang Yang Ming, who was a famous Chinese philosopher. Ah. And he had a book called Instructions for Practical Living. Oh, and one of our board members, who's actually the main archivist, uh -huh. he has studied Wang Yang Ming a fair amount. Mm -hmm. And as we were discussing what to call this book, because it came out in an earlier edition in the nineteen early mid eighties, it was the mid eighties called Essays on the Quest, and okay. it was very bland. It was like the chapters were just shuffled. There was no particular mm. order. It wasn't. It was just not put together anything like what Inner Traditions did with this volume. Uh, so our, our board member friend said, well, Wang Yang, you mean had instructions for practical living? And I, I went, like, the light uh, went off. Instructions <laughs> for spiritual <laughs> living. living. So that's that's really what it is. And I see this book as a a manual. It, it, it gives the overall view of what spiritual development is like uh, in the... It, in the personal way, you know, it covers right. it covers the essential topics. Like he goes into meditation, he goes very carefully through the three stages of deepening in meditation. Oh, really? But he doesn't say do it on the breath or do it on a mantra. Ah. He leaves it up to the individual in this essay 
to follow their own guidance, their own heart in what okay. what attracts them. What do right. they want to focus on? You read a quote, that second quote you read from Abraham is right. about what you focus on is what you know you attract. And there's this saying, I guess, that what we attend to grows. Mm. It grows. Yes. So if we're giving energy to whatever it is in our spiritual practice that we want to unfold in ourselves, that's oftentimes what will grow. Hmm. Interesting. So w- would you consider this a book for like a, a, a novice, somebody who's just starting off on their spiritual path, or is this something a little more heavy duty that like you probably want to have a little bit of a background in spiritual? Well, my first book was, you know, There is a River by Edgar Casey, And I think <laughs> yeah. I went from there to like autobiography of, of a, a yogi, yogi yeah. right? Probably you might have too, you know. Uh, I mean, that book has sold a gazillion copies. So yeah. it's kind of like the the Madison Avenue of spiritual pursuit mm. is kind of like people see, you know, was the imagery of Asian, you know, Asian teachers and the gurus right, looking right. a certain way. And uh, um, Paramahansa Yogananda has those very, you know, childlike eyes yeah. and he looks very happy and peaceful. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and these are the kind of the qualities that we want. So I think um, it's a, those kinds of books are, to inspire. I mean, the the Gospel of Ramakrishna is a very mm. inspirational book. If you know of Ramakrishna, he mm. was a an Indian sage, and the whole Ramakrishna Vivekananda Society grew out of that. There's two or three locations here in Manhattan oh, where wow. that, where that exists. Oh, I didn't know. That. Yes, and Quest Bookshop. Oh, Quest. Yes. Well, oh, that's the Theosophic Society. Theosophical Sorry, society, yeah. but the it's the Ramakrishna thing. Yes. So. What I would say is, I wish I had had this book, Instructions for Spiritual uh, Living, okay. a short time after I read Autobiography <laughs> for a Yogi. Okay. Okay. I, I wish Fair I had enough. had this book because he kind of shows you what the pitfalls are of the path. Oh. I mean, there's a series, of, he, there's a lot in the middle of this book on the development of character. Ah. And he considers character is something that's required in order to have realization, a developed character. Uh. But it continues to develop even after the initial kinds of stages of realization. It is possible to have a glimpse of reality like here and now, any of us, you know, and we may not be so like, oh, I'm really not ready. I'm still I have I'm still smoking. (laughs) I still have negative thoughts. Well, the divine kind of comes and grabs us and, and shakes us a little. And that's what we call spiritual seeking. I'm a spiritual seeker. It's that the grace of the divine, which has been developing, developing us all along at some point makes itself, makes the higher self evident. Like, Oh, my reality isn't the mind body, uh, personality primarily. It's something more. That's the, who am I path? So it, it makes us aware of that. And then we call ourselves questers and we, I don't know, wear shirts without, you know, roo shirts without, you know, <laughs> collars and wear our beads and, we, uh, you know, whatever, carry our cloth bag with ohm on it. <laughs> you know, all those things we start to identify more as a quester. Right. So I lost my train of thought. That's okay, because <laughs> I, got, I got questions for you. Okay, go. So um, there are two things, the kind of things that you mentioned that I would, I would love to hear his perspective on, uh, gurus and ego, because it's something that I have lately hearing sort of different conversations around gurus and and around the ego Mm. so i'd be curious 
Uh, well, ask more specifically. You're, you're wondering about gurus that fall, that that get you know. Not that necessarily fall, but is there still a need for gurus? Oh, okay. There's a chapter in this book. I'm talking about the book because right. that's what brought me here. Mm-hmm. Um, called self-reliance or discipleship. Right, and yeah. it's a long, longish chapter because mm-hmm. Paul Brutton describes various ways that we relate to teachers, the need for teachers, and what a good teacher is. You know, uh, the, the, the thing is, what I mentioned earlier about a, a good teacher helps develop, doesn't disempower you, right. doesn't necessarily draw attention to them right, primarily. Right. They, they kind of want to, they don't really want your gooeys, a good, a really a sage. <laughs> they don't want your gooeys, you know. They yeah. say, no. Sam, you know, you're great just the way you are. You've got all the resources you need. And here, maybe you want to read this or maybe you want to look at some teaching I gave on that. And but always for you to decide to right. you for you to develop your reason right. and about the path so that you can understand and, and, and uh, you know, observe your own interior processes understand your own interior processes and be true to your own inspiration because most gurus teachers can't actually give you who you are they right. certainly can't awaken not. you but they can't even say no sam you know your next path could be some well i asked pb and i right. consider him somebody who could actually know something of your own interiority uh-huh. i asked him the first time i was in switzerland visiting him i had a few extra days i said this was 1975. Mm-hmm. What should I do, PB? And he kind of paused. He thought for a moment. I don't know if he was thinking, but he was looking interiorly. He says, there's a Tibetan monastery near Zurich. I think you should go and spend a little bit time there in a retreat. Well, mm. I wasn't particularly interested in Tibetan Buddhism at the time. Right. This was something different. I thought, oh, a retreat. Okay. But this same monastery, 10 years later, was where the Dalai Lama came to Switzerland and gave the Kala Chakra initiation to 5,000 people. And he oh, stayed wow. in that same monastery. And a lot of my friends and I went there for this initiation. And that was the year after I got involved as a Tibetan Buddhist uh, publisher. So I, it was like PB saw something that I might not have anticipated, you know. But it was it was not like oh, you're going to be a Tibetan Buddhist publisher, go here and do this. Right. You just like throw out the hint. And right. intuition is very much that way. I think you've spoken. Yes. It's a small, quiet voice. Yes. It doesn't insist. Yeah. It's not trying to... F- it, ego insists when it wants something. Our right. desires, right. our aversions, there's, you know, they're compelling, they're gripping, they push us. But intuition is more like, it's more it. subtle, yeah. more quiet. And, yeah. and PB says intuition actually is the over-self expressing in you. It's oh. oftentimes the quiet voice in the okay. heart. You yeah. know? It just comes in. He would say intuition and even conscience he would put in a higher order beyond what we normally think of as our personality. Ah, okay. The conscience is like the wisdom of your your ages, the mm. wisdom of your many lives, mm. and ki- you know, kind of the essence of each life is kind of goes into this higher level of our being. Right, I could right. go into give you a theosophic term if yeah, you want, but but you know, this is where an intuition is even higher than that. Mm. It, it's like the 
You know, the nectar that drips right, down from right, the heavens. Right. You might have heard this. Can you thing. always trust the intuition? That's the reason we have reason yeah. is that, you know, you might have an, to, to kind of know that what's being suggested isn't a, a malignant force that's got yeah. your ear <laughs> and that's saying, jump right. off that bridge, God will save or, you. Or, or sometimes, you know, the ego can work its way into the intuition a little bit yes. of like, you know, we all have our own biases and our own filters and, and the intuition comes through that so it can taint it sometimes a little bit. Oh, yes, like this is something beautiful, but it's also to your advantage in a way. Yes, you're right. So we will probably continue up till the end to also see some personal advantage yes, in yeah, things. Yeah. It's just like teachers that are seeking fame, sex, money, Right. power right, right. you know that's it gets all confused yeah. they might do it in subtle ways yeah. like we're going to have sex because it's good for you right you know it'll right. further your development yeah, i've yeah. read these things you know yeah. i know yeah, certain teachers crazy. that that rationalize yeah so anyway and say something. okay we got to take our last break of the show we're talking about the book uh Instructions for Spiritual Living by Paul Brunton with my guest, Jeff Cox, the editor of the book. And uh, we will be right back in just a moment. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. The best designs for your life start at home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and host of At Home. Listen live Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as we talk to the very best professionals about interior design and the design that's all around us right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We've been speaking with Jeff Cox uh, this hour, uh, editor of the book, uh, Instructions for Spiritual Living by Paul Brunton. Um, so, uh, and, and this book, I mean, it's fascinating to me. It's like now, you know, I'll tell you a little secret. I never tell anyone this before on the air. 
I usually don't have time to read the books before I interview people involved with them, but I see how the interview goes. And then depending on the interview, then it's like I decide whether I'm going to read the book or not. That makes sense. So now I really have to read this book now. (laughs) (laughs) And I have a long list of books to read. I assume you said that because somehow it got your interest. So thank you. I'm glad. Um, So he did... He did pursue the, he did promote the last part of that chapter on teacher student is mm-hmm. called the independent path. Mm. And in the end, he says that's it, it's only your own higher self that can actually liberate you. He'll yeah. say there are powerful gurus that can give you a little bit of a hint of what it's like because right. you get in their atmosphere right. and they in have their field. And, and they're very peaceful and they right. can quiet your emotions. They can create a kind of stoppage in your field such that then that divine presence can kind of come in. It can like people get a glimpse, but the only way it's going to, I noticed in my own life being around powerful teachers and then you go away, you can feel supported by them. I had one teacher where I know she was meditating at our time, four o'clock in the afternoon. And I could feel some, I wouldn't necessarily Uh, be thinking about, I'd be at work and I'm typing on my computer, talking to a customer and I'd suddenly feel this energy, and it was yeah. it was her, you know. Yeah. And I'd call my wife. She said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." From four o'clock, I felt it, you know. It's like that. <laughs> so, you you get it's a kind of um, addiction in a way. It could yeah. it's seductive. Yeah, it's seductive, and you think, well, when I'm around the guru, I feel really good. And, and they'll encourage you, well, just stay around me forever and ever, you right, know. Right. But it just doesn't work that way. Eventually, yeah. you move on. And right. even, I think, the quote you read, which is really important about what you desire, you attract. But our, des- our desires, which are really just desire, and they're mm-hmm. not... Well, in the beginning, we could desire something that's actually for our own unfoldment. But it, when it becomes an addiction and we just want right, more, right, right. eventually it will burn itself out because right. that's the whole Buddhist teachings about you know, unenlightened existence is unsatisfactory. It has, there's pain woven in with the pleasure. Right, right. So the point is, is that independent path gets you working with your own resources, develop your own inner peace through right. meditation, develop your own sense right. of solidity and groundedness in your practice and, and your wisdom of understanding yourself and others and right. like that. So it's yeah. not giving the power to the guru. You get to begin right. to be the, your own, somebody recently called it their, your own CEO. That It's like, <laughs> you know, you're in charge. You still learn you're from a, a good CEO has people under them, right? Right. That help right, them. That's right. like the teachings in a book or a teacher or sure. you meet somebody and, you know, you impress me one way or another. Right. So these are all ways a good, a person who's in taking self-responsibility yeah. um, can still... Right. take in what others have to give right you can have your own agency but you can still learn from others in the process absolutely it's not and about cutting off issues. right right exactly exactly now paul brunton was was lived in in the 20s 30s 40s 50s i mean he lived longer but that was when he was really active and publishing and doing stuff and moving in the world and moving in the world are are the things he wrote, are books like this that are compiled from it, are they still really relevant today in today's society? Yes, they are. Um, I have, well, you know, I mentioned the autobiography of a yogi book. Yes. Well, his book, A Search and Secret India, and one of his follow-ons, A Search and Secret Egypt, are very inspiring. I, 
you know, uh, maybe I did him an injustice by say, <laughs> not just saying, well, you could read A Search in Secret India because that's a book that uh, woke up a lot of people to uh, take up spiritual practice. Okay. One thing I did in this book, part of the editorial mm-hmm. process my wife and I did, was mm-hmm. to, PB wrote in the, in the gendered language of the 1920th, well, mid-20th century, mm-hmm. where he, his, him mm-hmm. was, was the standard. And so it, people these days, especially with what the whole revolution that's gone on in our yeah. culture, rightfully yeah. so, yes. um, could read a book like, one of these books and think well he's always saying he and him and that yeah. if you're a guy reading it you you know i mean sometimes yeah. it even bothers the guys yeah but it's not so heavy that way it you know you, you just have to put pb in context i mean if you're going to read right. emerson right. or some other writer of exactly. the past they're going to yeah. use the same form it was just the standard form that's the only thing i would say that's that's not absolutely contemporary about mm. what he does but you know, he falls back on like quantum physics and relativity, especially in his hidden teaching beyond yoga, to mm. show the nature of mind or mentalism, mm. which is mm. really his philosophic thrust. I mean, you can read in the Eastern teaching, mind is all, yeah. everything is mind, but they don't, they just say, everything is mind. Okay, great. Now, uh, what about I got to pay the bill? <laughs> they, they, and what he, about the heart? And the heart. Well, the heart is. It's not mind. This isn't mind. Mind is like the divine uh, ground. It's like the intelligence that underlies the universe, oh, and that's okay. spontaneous heart wisdom, right? Okay. So, what I said before, the Schrodinger quote: "There's yeah. one universal mind that's phasing as the consciousness of all creatures." So, PB basically goes through, in especially the hidden teaching beyond yoga, step by step. He even brings in, he has a chapter on the revelations of relativity. He goes through step by step to show that actually what we have here is basically experience. We don't really have anything. There's nothing outside. There's not a copy. Mm. We're not like in our body. So many Mm. people, they have an epistemology that starts with I'm in my brain Uh, somewhere and somehow information comes in through my eyes. Well, it's a very mechanical view. It's a very mechanical view. And, and there's enough information out there that would show that it's not really that way. I mean, there are number, yeah. a number of cases of people being on an operating table. Yes, and, and seeing they, themselves they, pop they, out. They yeah. see their body from above. They're yeah. outside and they can hear and see even though the body on the table is not functioning right. sensorially. Right. Yeah, no, I've had Dr. Raymond Moody on my show and you know he wrote yes. the book Life After Life and yes. he did a lot of uh, near-death experience. Yes research so yeah there's, there's a ton in that right uh, w- one question i want to make sure to get to before we sure. finish up which is you've been studying paul brunton for years you edited books do you still find some things in his work that surprise you after all this time um i've had to read this book four or five times during the editorial <laughs> process and I tell my wife, Christy, I say, you know, I feel like these teachings are being pressed into my cellular structure. Mm. So I'm still, in reading this book, I'm still coming upon, that's, yeah, still coming upon things that I didn't quite get or putting ah, things in perspective okay. in a way that I didn't quite get. Or, you know, PB writes that, and I think this is very true, that understanding 
for one thing, a lot of our spirituality downplays understanding, thinking, you yeah. know, oh, yeah. thinking, that's just wrecking everything because you yeah. label stuff, right? Right. But it, understanding is what can inspire Understanding is what can inspire us and empower us to choose directions or make changes in ourselves. Yeah. I mean, how do we understand a, ba- a bad, if we can understand a bad habit, then we can overcome it if we can mm. really understand it, mm. right? So right. I- you could use your will, but if you, I don't know if you were a smoker, you know, it's like giving up the ego is a little harder than giving up smoking. Yeah. But giving up smoking, you know, you'll yeah. you'll you will have a situation where your decision will be challenged. Yeah. PB has a chapter here that says, if you want to have a develop a good character trait like truth telling, you will have a situation mm. that challenges you, and mm. that's where the ego. You said ego teacher, but I'd say ego teachings come in you know you indicated well i just need you rationalize instead of being following your reason which came to the conclusion this is just absolutely not good you rationalize and say well just this once you know yeah um, yeah yeah yeah. so all right well jeff it was a pleasure having you in studio today thank you so much for coming by yeah the book is instructions for spiritual living go out and get it it's available everywhere i assume it's inner traditions it was inner put traditions. out in uh, april and i'm sure it's online and probably the barnes and nobles right. and other by paul brunton we'll make sure we when we post the the podcast that it's uh, there's a link to it um yeah. a great book thank you so much thanks sam i appreciate it and thank you all of my loyal listeners i actually forgot to shout out all my my Facebook fans, but thank oh. you, Gilbert, Elizabeth, oh, Elizabeth, um, and, and everybody else. Uh, without you, there's no point to doing the show, so thank you all. I appreciate you so much. And uh, stay tuned. We're going to have more great shows coming up for you next week and uh, for the rest of the year. So thank you for tuning in, and we will talk to you next week. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. The best designs for your life start at home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and host of At Home. Listen live Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as we talk to the very best professionals about interior design and the design that's all around us right here on talkradio.nyc. 
You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.